Hello everyone, welcome back to the Spirituality and Magic Podcast. My name is Hunter Salazar and I'm your host as always. So uh, today we're going, to be, we're going to be covering a third page of the King James Bible and this is another episode, part three, of Metaphysically Interpreting the Bible. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, so we start here on 11, chapter 3, uh, verse 11. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? Whereof I commanded thee that thou should shouldest not eat. So God is basically saying, um, who told thee that, that, that you were naked, that um, you basically had those sexual organs, and that, uh, you know, why did you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? 12. And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to, to be with me, she gave me of the fruit no, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. So, you know, there's that, uh, there's that thing about the Adam's apple, males having that Adam's apple where uh, females did not. Uh, it's kind of anybody's guess as to if this influenced the story. I'm thinking that it, it probably didn't, but it actually could have been anatomical. Uh, there might have been some, there might have been some uh, physical reason that this was said, literal reason, but I think that the metaphysical reason is it, it kind of harkens back to actually something much older. Um, uh, Shiva in Hinduism drinks this, uh, this poison and uh, Kalima, Shakti, uh, whatever you want to call her, um, basically holds his throat so that he's, uh, he doesn't swallow the poison. So Shiva, he starts to swallow this poison because like, okay, everything's the same to me. Every, you know, this refreshment and this drink is the same to me because he's beyond duality. There's no difference between something that's good for you or not. There's no difference between this or that. Everything is one. So he starts to swallow this. Once again, this is heavily metaphor. And uh, Kalima grabs his throat, according Kalima, according to me, and keeps him from drinking. And uh, that's how he gets the, uh, you know, the Adam's apple, the bulge right there. Um, these are two stories that kind of explain the same thing, but each one of, both of them have... A very different metaphysical meaning, I think. Um, uh, in the in the first biblical one that I just read, um, it's that uh, woman who is the one who who influenced the corruption of the man, and that's why he got something caught there. In Hinduism, it's more um, it's more that uh, woman saved the man, and this is you know these both are very much metaphors. Um, though there is an element of truth, um, but maybe not physical truth, maybe astral truth. At any rate, let's continue to 13. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Pretty straightforward. Uh, the serpent beguiling the woman is um, it's the idea that uh, women are more sexual. But also that the serpent, uh, which is, the, you know, the, the feet, the, usually kundalini, which is the energy at the bottom of the spine, rises up, is usually perceived as a woman. Uh, or not a, as a woman, but as a, a more feminine energy, kundalini, uh, and then as it rises through the spine. Um, for some reason, it's perceived by some people as being feminine, but uh, kundalini at the base of the spine, the serpent beguiled, so... At, at the very least, it has something to do with Kundalini. It has something to do with that rising energy and um, that energy passing through uh, the chakras. Uh, 
So, that was her excuse. 14, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon the belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Okay, so we encounter something. So here we start to get the feeling that, okay, well, this is just referring to, you know, the animals of the world and things like that. Um, there's, there's another way to look at it. Everything that is physical came from, an astro, uh, came from a deeper meaning. So scientists will often say, you know, anthropologists rather, will often say, um, or, or historians will often say, look, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, the, the uh, uh, you know, the phalluses that we see around the world, and then also a lot of uh, Venuses, goddess symbols, and, you know, the baser nature of tantric yoga, something like that. The, the body of the male and the female, we see representations, representations of it around the world. They'll, they will tell us that these are representations of sex. They're just, they're just referring to what we do. But perhaps it's a little bit different. Perhaps physical manifestation is a result of deeper astrological functions, and we're actually thinking of it in the wrong direction. Um, these symbols... You know, we we see something like a a, a flare uh, phallus um, in northwestern Europe pop up ever so often when we discover them <laughs> pop up. Anyway, um, so there is this idea that okay, all this stuff's just referring to sex and create and procreating, but to me, it's actually that everything manifested from a state that was deeper that was beyond this material universe, and that everything in this material universe is actually a representation of that, of those higher and deeper actions. That is my, that is my opinion, that is my belief, so uh, just take that with a grain of salt, though I have, ha I have heard this uh, from Eastern Masters. At any rate, before we go any further, let's go ahead and hear a word from our sponsor. Alright everyone, we are back, so we are at chapter 3, verse 15 of the third page, uh, well, it's Genesis 4, but third page of the Holy King James, or the King James Bible. So let's go ahead and continue. And I will put enmity, enmity, between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and, that, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Okay, so this is one of the verses I've never heard I haven't really heard any translation from other teachers about. Um, I have not been able to come up with something for. If I was going to, I'll go ahead and read it again. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Basically, enmity is conflict, um, holding against somebody. And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou, sh and thou shalt bruise his heel. Okay, so... Basically, the man is being dominant in this. Uh, bruise his head, or bru bruise thy head, and shout to bruise his heel. Basically, um, we're talking about the conflict between genders is the only thing I can take out of that. It's hard to metaphysically interpret that. So let's go to 16. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow 
and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Once again, establishing the power of man over the woman. And uh, we get the, uh, the president of setting conception as something that is painful for women. And that brings much sorrow. And I'd even, I'd even stipulate that the sorrow means that women can feel pain more than men, which they can. Yet they can also handle it more as far as brain chemistry. And that doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that their pain does, is any, is any, uh, more justifiable or any, uh, any more acceptable. But, um, this might be establishing some very physical characteristics and, uh, tendencies of society at the same time. 17. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. So basically saying, you're going to have to, you're going to have to work with the earth. You're going to have to, you're going to have to plow. You're going to have to work harder to make food um, because of your degeneration. And according to my understanding, uh, into physical, into the material universe, you're going to have to make food grow. It just, it isn't, it isn't is, if that makes sense. It's more, you have to cause it. You have to, you have to make, you have to do the work. And if you don't do that, then you will die. So let's, uh, let's continue. 18. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Once again, uh, there, there's going to be dangerous plants that can hurt you, and they're going to be hard to get past. Um, this is a furthering of your punishment. And once again, this is another thing placed upon um, really humanity. But in this, it seems like it's uh, referring to man as the one who's going to have to do the, the field work or the physical labor. Um, once again, harkening back to perhaps an, a, very, a much older interpretation that we're kind of being, uh, being forced to take in. Yet it also still has its depth and its metaphysica metaphysicality. Um, so yeah, the, there is, you're going you're, you're gonna to encounter troubles in the field. Um, it's not always going to be food for you. This is what you have to deal with. So 19. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou uh, shalt thou return. So in the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread. Once again, referring to tilling up the work, tilling up the dirt, creating crops. Um, we haven't gotten to eating meat at all. It's very much a relationship with the earth right now, and uh, how hard it's going to be to work it because of the the decisions that uh, man and woman made. Once again, these two groups of souls, in my understanding, that were, want to say entered into the material universe and the material universes, they divided into male and female, but in the astral universes, they weren't necessarily. Okay, so 
when it talks about, I, I've seen this other text, not just the Bible. For out, uh, so let me read it again. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou uh, shalt thou return. So we encounter this in other texts, that um, the dust of the earth, we are created from the physical material of the earth. When we eat, well, you know, when our mother eats before we are born, those nutrients are transformed into, into cells that make up our tiny bodies. And then, and also into nutrients that feed us in the womb. And everything that we eat, whether it be crops or meat, um, through bodies, it is transformed into us. Every seven years, I believe it is, almost every cell in our body is replaced. We are eating from the earth, and thus we must return to the earth because it's alone. It's not forever. We borrow these bodies, this matter, for a time, and then we have to give it back. The dust of the earth is in reference to this, that we are the matter of the earth, and it is just alone for a little bit of time that we will have to pay back, that we will have to return to, but our soul moves on. Of course, uh, most Christians believe that we just have one life, but if you believe in reincarnation like I do, then the soul continues its journey, and perhaps our soul was dust at the first, and then we became humans later on. At any rate, let's go ahead and go to uh, 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. So Eve is the mother of all living, so we, we have this motherly figure who is the mother of all of humanity, uh, something akin to a goddess in other cultures. 21, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Oh, coats of skins. So this can be interpreted in two ways. So let's let's go ahead and take a look at the next passage real quick. Uh, and the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Okay, so the coats of skin. Um, this seems like a, a further reiteration that we are bodies. We are placed into bodies because of what we did originally. It could refer to animals being killed and thus being clothed in leather, but that's that's not really an argument that a lot of people make. Um, I, I think that the skin is just a continuation of us manifest of our physical bodies being manifested. Uh, coats of skin, skins. Um, so you know, you you have a, you have more focus at the beginning on growing crops and eating of trees and things like that than you do of killing animals and eating them. Um, it kind of hints at a nature that is perhaps a different one than we find ourselves in as far as what we eat. So let's go ahead and go to twenty two that I actually just read as well. And the Lord said, and the Lord God said, "Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand." And take also 
or take, yeah, take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So this might be a little bit more of a curse than is on the surface. <clears throat> so, behold, the man has become as one of us. Just like God and the angels, he knows. He knows the difference between, you know, good and evil. He's entered into duality. One of us actually might be a little bit sarcastic because before Adam and Eve manifested, before there was a war, everything was one. Uh, so I, I, I'm not sure if that was the intended result as far as what it's saying, but it certainly could be sarcastic because he, we do know what the angels and God know. And then it continues what well, seems like good, but it's also a curse. To know good and evil, and now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So if we're living... You know, our souls continue on after our body, and then, you know, our souls continue on and on and on. I could argue for reincarnation in this statement, but that's not really necessary. Um, but it's basically saying human beings on this earth will live again and again and again. Many souls divided because of the original decision. So let's go ahead and go to 23. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. Once again reiterating. That we were formed from the matter of the earth. From even the food itself. In retrospect. Um, making that very plain. So he drove out the man. And he placed at the east of the garden of Eden. Cherubims. Cherubims. Cherubims? I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that word. It's C-H-E-R-U-B-I-M-S. And a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So let's read that again. This is highly, highly symbolic. So, so he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the gate of Eden cherubims, angels, something like that. And a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way to keep the way of the tree of life. So this could be a reference to our very galaxy, the turning of the flaming sword, because if you look at our galaxy and the sun, the suns are what you see. And it's turning, it's turning, it's turning. It is a spiral. And this might hearken to that. But it also might hearken to the spinning of suns and our projection of planets and suns we're projected through the universe. We're not, we're not stationary in our solar system. Solar systems are projected. They're moving. Um, flaming sword. This is what I get from that. Now, you might say, that's a bit of a stretch. Um, but I would say, you know, if you just mean flaming sword, and it's just sitting there, and it's kind of turning every way to, uh, to keep the way of the tree of life, I mean, I, I would... I would say, you know, what would you think that means? Because uh, it's the way of the tree of life. So I, it seems like gravity to me. It seems like relationship between suns and planets. Uh, and the tree of life itself, I do not think the tree of life refers to a literal tree on earth. Though other people would say, no, there is an actual tree of life. Everything is literal. But I do not think that. Um, the tree of life itself... 
perhaps that means a multiverse and that there is energies throughout the multiverse. But I'm actually I'm actually straying into too many theories here, so <laughs> let's go ahead and go to the next thing. This is why that every episode I make on the on the Bible, uh, I spend 30 minutes per per page. <laughs> let's continue on before I start rambling some more. Okay, uh chapter 4. Man, Adam and Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived so new basically means mated with. And she conceived and and bare and bare and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. So the Lord traveled through the man um, and into her womb. The seed and the earth becoming one in essence. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. Three. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Okay, so this is this is something that might seem very obvious. Like, it might seem like, okay, well, we're talking about offering, um, you know, talking about offering that of the field or the offering of animals, you know. Um, Abel offering the firstlings of his flock and Cain offering, uh, you know, the grain or whatever. Um, but actually, <clears throat> what the meaning is, and this is something that I've, I actually learned from Paramahansa Yogananda and his work is that uh, it means that <clears throat> Abel offered his animal nature. He gave up that animal side of his being. He gave up those, those animal drives within himself, the, the drive to conquer, the drive to, to, the drive to, you know, have sexual desire, the drive to, um, to associate with the lowest forms of man's nature. <clears throat> and he, uh, and he gave them unto the Lord. Abel gave his lower natures unto the Lord because um, that that is such a great sacrifice. You are sacrificing the temptations of the pleasures of the flesh and ego and things like that even. Because uh, animals, they oftentimes care about themselves first and foremost. But well, at any rate, he's offering his sexual desire. He's offering the bestial side of man. And Cain is offering... What man produces, but not really sacrificing that much. Um, Cain is Cain is trying to avoid giving giving up his animal nature, and that's why it's not really a good sacrifice. So let's uh, let let's see what we got here. Uh, so and in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel. He also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. But Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? 7. If thou dost... 
doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So this is a direct reference to desire, and what Cain didn't give up. 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? So, the Lord literally asking him. It's not so much that happened. It's his own conscience questioning him. How could you do this to your brother? Maybe the Lord through his conscience. Conscious. Um, well, let's continue. And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto the unto me from the ground basically i know you killed your i know you killed your brother and once again uh the conscience within him is what god is speaking through 11 and now art thou cursed from the earth which thou hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand and let me read that again. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. So basically, you fertilize the earth with your blood, your brother's blood, and she accepted it. And what have you done? You have spilled your blood upon the earth. You have caused your brother to die, for his blood to be shed and gathered by the earth before his time. So let's go to 12. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. So this blood is so polluted because of his crime that he can no longer rely upon the earth to give him crops. And he is starving now. Spiritually physically. 13. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. <laughs> well, I guess that's too bad. 14. Behold, thou hast dri driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. Mm. That's an, that's that is a, a remarkable truth right there. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. So criminals, people who have been murderers, every person who's a person shall slay them. I think is the idea. I could be wrong. 15. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whatsoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. 
And Cain went out. Okay, so that, that could be contradictory to what I just said. Um, there was a mark upon Cain. Um, perhaps it was a mark that he should continue to do more crime to do this again and again. And perhaps earlier it meant that that um he would he he would be followed by the same thing but ultimately it's it's both getting at you know he is going to be he's going to be troubled upon the earth he's not going to have a good time and let's continue on 16 and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden so uh, Nod don't know the reference at all no idea. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built, he builded a city, and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. So, when we get you know the Enochian scriptures and you know the idea of uh, Enoch becoming a uh, Metatron, becoming an angel and making a city angelic and then rising to the heavens. Um, Perhaps he could have been uh, uh, a son of Cain, but he, uh, it could be the same that he did much better than his father. I I do like the uh, I do like the idea of Enoch, and perhaps him doing so much better than his father means that every generation. We don't have to repeat the same crimes. That's just an idea. Take it for what it's worth. 18. And unto Enoch was born Irad. And Irad beget Mehujel. And Mehujel beget Methuzael. And Methuzael beget Lamech. And Lamech took upon him two wives. The name of one was Ada. And the name of the other was Zillah. And Ada bare Jabal. He was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal. He... All right, everybody, we've ended it. Okay, so let me just read this last, stand, this last uh, verse here. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. So when you get into, it's almost, well, it's impossible for me because I'm no expert and I'm just giving my ideas here. But when it goes to lineages in the Bible, it's, um, it's unless you know every single reference in the, in the lineages and exactly what they mean, they are just a list. So I, I will admit that first and foremost uh, before we proceed, you know. Well, I mean, before we proceed another day because that was one page. And uh, once again, it's over 30 minutes. Great. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, um, once it gets to the lineages, I'm not going to have a lot to tell you. Anyway, I hope that my ideas here have, um, have made you think. Maybe you don't have to believe them. You don't even have to uh, consider them. But I hope that they made you think in general, in some way, shape, or form. Because when we read texts, you know, Spiritual and religious as well, but any text, um, we have equivalencies within ourselves. We relate everything to ourselves in our own understanding. So, even uh, a 
reflection from something like, let's say, Dr. Seuss, which is <laughs> the, uh, the only kid's book I can really think of right now. Um, even when it's a reflection from that, we don't always have to get from a book what was intended. Sometimes we learn so much about ourselves from what we take that wasn't intended. So as I move forward in, in giving a metaphysical interpretation of this Bible, I want to say that this is completely, um, you know, I've learned some stuff from Eastern masters like Paramahansa Yogananda reading works, meditating, and basically thinking upon many different works. Uh, there's going to be a lot of times when it's just going to be my complete and utter inspiration. If that offends anybody, uh, you might not want to move forward, and I'm truly sorry. But if you like some of the ideas that I'm saying, if you like some of the the contemplations I'm having along with you in these episodes, please keep listening. Because together, we might be able to create something great, something new, something that requires both of us. I might make this interpretation, you might draw more from it than even what I said. You could be so much greater than me. At any rate, we're in this together. Now let's continue on in, on another day. Um, I'm glad you're listening. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to contact me and talk about this or you know, anything spiritual, feel free to contact me at www.facebook.com slash hunter.salazar. H-U-N-T-E-R dot S-A-L-A-Z-A-R. Thank you very much, and I hope all of you have a wonderful day.